What is up, everybody? Welcome to the 11th episode of Flip the M podcast. Uh, I got with me today, we got Aiden up there, and we got Hoseon down there. We're going to be talking uh, some Marlins to you guys. Uh, just remember, this episode is sponsored by PrizePix, as it says down below. Use the code 5, that's F-I-V-E, for 100% deposit, uh, matching up to $100. Um, we're also sponsored by Mosaics, which is a family-owned tiling company down in Miami, dedicated to fulfilling all of your tiling needs. They've been serving the community for over 20 years, so go ahead and check them out. All right, so today uh, we're the Marlins are in a bit of a rut. Um, I feel like that's been the trend for the past couple podcasts we've had, uh, which isn't a, a great thing to happen when you're in the middle of a playoff race. Um, good news is is that every other playoff team has been in a rut too, so we're still sticking in there. I, th- I believe we're about a, a game back right now uh, from the third final wild card spot, and we're going into a uh, series right now against the Nationals, which we have won uh, the season series. I believe Hoseon said for the past two years. Is that right? Yeah, so um, if I'm correct, I don't believe we lost to them at all last year. Um, the Marlins uh, swept them last year every single time, and they're 6-0 and against them this year. So with seven games remaining, you hope that trend continues as you find yourself um, in this wild card race. Yeah, so we're going into a, a series and, and really a stretch against, I don't want to say non-competitive teams because every, t- every team's trying to compete except for, you know, the Oakland A's. They're the oddity of here, but um, really we're going to a stretch where, where we can really take advantage of the strength of schedule or the, or the lack of strength of schedule. So, um, but before we kind of get into our season outlook, we want to go over a couple things here. So we now have had what 20 some odd games since the deadline, I believe 21 is what I saw. I think we're eight and 13 since the deadline and our, our acquisitions have been on Extremes on both sides of the spectrum of being both really, really good and and, and really, really bad. And it's been kind of known between um, uh, Aiden, what, what's been kind of your uh, standout point from the deadline? Well, obviously, um, like Josh Bell, Jake Berger, they've been playing outstanding. I mean, from what we saw, Josh Bell in a Cleveland uniform, that's not what we see now i mean it's just it's kind of crazy to watch um hopefully he could get back to that pittsburgh form where he was an all-star and then for burger it's like yeah we brought him in we were expecting a lot of strikeouts um a lot of home runs too but he's been kind of like a contact hitter which is kind of the opposite of what he was with the white Sox. um so they're doing fantastic and then you go to the bullpen robertson david robertson we got from the meds and he's been kind of up and down as our closer he's had a couple of uh save opportunities that he kind of i don't know he kind of looked a little lost out there um and then we got in jorge lopez he's been kind of you know up and down as well but the bats are doing great the pitching could be a little bit better yeah I mean, looking at, at Bell and Burger or Burger Bell, uh, if you're a fan of the uh, hit VeggieTales song, uh, the cheeseburger song, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> Burger has a 917 OPS since coming out to Miami, which is including a 347 batting average. Um, coming into Miami, I believe he had a 220 average. So is the 347 going to last? I don't think so. 
but we're going to ride it for as long as we can through that final stretch of the season. And then Josh Bell has become, has basically reinvented himself. He had a really, really rough first half for Bell standards, you know, um, but he's kind of reinvented himself in Miami with a 994 OPS, uh, batting 303. He has seven homers in his time here. Um, Bell and Berger combined for 23 RBIs since coming over here, which is really, really good. Um, especially since we played 21 games, that's at least they've contributed to at least one run per game, which is a, a great ratio that I'll take. Um, but Bell, I believe has tied the record for the, uh, fastest to seven home runs in a Marlins uniform. Um, so that's been a, a wonderful, wonderful addition. As you said, Berger has kind of changed into a contact hitter. He's still hitting the bar, the ball super hard. Um, but he only has two home runs. So I, I can see that increasing um, eventually as time goes on. But yeah, as you said, pitching has not really been there for us. Uh, Jorge Lopez, which we kind of did a swap with Dylan Flora, who was struggling very mildly for us. Uh, Lopez has been no better with a eight ERA in nine innings with a 2.2 whip. And then Robertson, who we traded two very young, but very talented um, players in Ronald Hernandez and Marco Vargas over to the Mets for um, has not been the same pitcher that he was in, in New York. And, you know, he was the best in the market, so it, it really stinks to see him be like this down here. Um, he's currently holding that seven ERA uh, in the nine innings with a uh, six to eight walkout-to-strike ratio, which is not on brand for David Robertson at all. So I really don't know what has changed in him uh, since coming down to Miami. Um I've seen a lot of people on, on Twitter and on social media kind of talk about or talk down about Robertson, not only about his performance, but saying that he doesn't want to be here, that he's just a not happy person. I don't think that really influences the way that he's pitched. I, I, I really don't. Um, I'm not saying that, you know, him being upset about being moved hasn't like made him frustrated, but I don't think he's taking that out on the field. I don't think he's purposely losing these games. I don't, I don't think that he's not trying hard. It just hasn't been results. And it's frustrating to watch when you're in the middle of a playoff race and you traded for him to have that solid back of the uh, bullpen piece. So I don't know. Hoseon, what are you, what's your take kind of on the, uh, on the deadline acquisitions? Um, Josh Bell, what can you say about him? I mean, if you looked at his peripherals uh, early, like at least through of his first half um, in Cleveland, even though um, the counting stats weren't there, the traditional stats might have not looked the best. His, his baseball savant page was straight red all over. Um, you can just see that the breakout was was right about to happen, and uh, luckily for the Marlins, it's happening on their on their team. Uh, great moves by Kim to get uh, Josh Bell and, and Berger right um, as the, the deadline was winding down. Um, as for David Robinson, um, I was there the day he showed up in, uh, to Miami for the first time. I was in the clubhouse. Um, he went around, shook everybody's hand, Seemed very excited to be there. Um, so I, I'm not too certain if it's uh, an attitude thing with him. Um, yeah, like you mentioned, the fan base is uh, basically talking down on him. I, I, don't, I wouldn't go as far as to say he doesn't want to be in Miami. Um, granted, he could be hiding it, but from at least from what I saw, um, he went around, was talking to, to everybody. Um, he got along with, with the people in the short time that I saw. Um, and he's, he mentioned himself that he was excited to play um, to play baseball. And he was excited that the Marlins wanted him and that uh, he was trying to pitch for a team, trying to make it into the postseason. So 
I don't know. Um, it's been a little bit rough with David, but hopefully he finds his groove as we go down uh, the, the last month of the season. So, Yeah, I, I definitely think that what we're seeing out of Robertson isn't going to last. At least I, I can't see it lasting. Um, you know, especially with, you know, great pitching coaches like uh, Cepeda out in the bullpen or Stottlemyre as the main pitching coach. You know, I, I think they're going to find the re- the rhyme and reason as to what's going on, and I think they're going to fix it. Um, maybe that's the optimist in me because I'm known for being notoriously optimistic about this team, but we'll see. Um, moving forward, another thing that's been kind of big in Marlins news outside of, you know, our deadline acquisitions is we have three pitchers who have now um, completely bested their their previous career high in innings pitched. And for the most part, it's kind of showing. You know, we came to the season with our pitching being our strong suit and offense obviously being our weak spot, but it's kind of, it's been flip-flop. Um, as I've said multiple times, it's a really frustrating team because when our bats are on, our pitching's not. When our pitching's on, our bats are not. So it's kind of hard to, hard to judge um, really what's going wrong because, uh, you know, as as bad as they've been a little bit, and we'll get into the stats in a minute, um, you know, Luzardo had a really great start yesterday after breaking his um, career high a while back. Yuri Perez had a really great start the other day after breaking his career high a while back. Braxton has actually been pretty solid since breaking his career high, um, so we have to hope that that continues. Um, but Posion, I'll go to you first. Kind of, what's what's your uh, take on kind of the rest of the season for these pitchers who are, you know, pitching way above what they've previously done? It's a tough spot to be in because when you look at one end, they're pitching more innings than they've ever pitched in their whole entire life, um, and also they're also um, basically have a bullpen that's taxed um, and they've used tremendously. Um, so it's hard to see what can come out of this. Um, the starters have been struggling every time they come out, um, except for Luzardo, who just had a great start um, against the Padres. But before that, he had a string of rough, rough starts. So it was it's tough to evaluate. Um, and like I mentioned, the bullpen, the bullpen has, ex- has been extremely, extremely taxed. So when you have starters that, aren't getting the job done and then you can't really rely on your bullpen either. It creates a bad, a bad balance for the team. Um, the Marlins go out, score seven and they give up nine. It's, it's, it's tough. Um, and you can't really win ball games that way. So, you know, it, we'll have to see how Skip and, and Kim manages the call-ups, the send downs and uh, the bullpens and to see how, the season is finished because it's going to be very interesting to see Luzardo, Braxton, um, Yuri, these last three, four stars that they have. Yeah. As you mentioned, Luzardo has been one of the biggest, you know, components of the struggle pitching past his, his previous max. Um, his previous max was at a hundred, a uh, hundred and point one innings pitched hundred and a third. Um, and now he's at 143 and a third. Um, so he's 43 innings past that previous max. So obviously it's getting to him a little bit. Um, his his last seven, he's had a, a 5-2-9 ERA. 
um, with a 1.62 whip. He's given up a ton of contact. But then you look at his last start against the uh, Padres, which is obviously they're a disappointing team, but they're still a really hard team to beat nonetheless. You know, with uh, Hassan Kim, you know, Tatis, Soto, Machado, Bogarts, Cronenworth, um, old friend Cooper out there. Um, they're a hard team to beat. Um, but, you know, Luzardo went out there and looked like his self from the earlier season, six scoreless innings, two hits, one walk, seven Ks, no one runs. So we'll have to see if that was the outlier start for him or if, you know, the previous starts that, that got him to that 5-2-9 ERA, if that, those were the outliers and now he's finally found his groove again. Um, Aiden, what, what's kind of your view on, on you know, Luzardo, Yuri, and Brax all going past that inning summit? Yeah, at this point, I don't see how you just don't write it out. Um, and I guess hope for the best, because th- those are the best arms you got at this point. Um, and if they give you a great outing, great. If they don't, then <clears throat> that's just, it's tough. Um, but yeah, they're all over their innings. Career high, career high innings pitched. Um, we got like a month left of the season, I think, and I don't, I don't know. I just don't see them. Um, well, Lizardo, for instance, he, I don't know. He just had a really good game last outing, and maybe, maybe he's back. I don't know. Um, we'll just have to see. Braxton Garrett, he looked really good against the Dodgers. Um, He's been really consistent for us, and hopefully he keeps that going uh, as the season comes goes along. Um, and then Yuri Perez, he had a couple bad outings, but again, he struck out a career high sand batters against the Dodgers. So even though this these group of pitchers are above their um, like career highs and in innings uh, pitched, I, I don't know. I just I. Yeah, they've they've looked bad, but I don't I don't see them, I guess, struggling struggling that much down the stretch. I don't know, but we'll see. As you said, uh, Brax has been pretty consistent. Um, his his last five starts, you look at it, he's thrown um, with a two point five seven ERA, a one point one WHIP, um, five to twenty one walk to strikeout ratio, which honestly for Brax is a lot of walks. Uh, it's weird to say that five walks is a lot of walks, but for, for a guy who has his control, you know, that's a lot for him. But um, then you look at Yuri. Yuri's now at 104 and two-thirds innings pitched, where his previous high was 78. Um, he had an amazing outing against the uh, Dodgers. I think it was 10 cases, as, as you said. Um, but his last seven starts with a 409 ERA. Um, only a 1.06 whip, so it's kind of getting himself – hard contact. If you look at his uh, Savant page, he gives up a lot of hard contact. Um, so he's got to limit that. Um, but he's looked, for the most part, like himself, which which has been good. It's really Luzardo who's been the biggest um, worry for the rest of the season, um, especially last season when he had that major arm injury that shut him down for the rest of the year. You don't want that happening again or maybe happening in the offseason. You know. Um, but the Marlins are at kind of a tricky spot because you, know, you have these three pitchers way past their innings limit. Uh, or what their previous innings max pitched were. Um, and then, you know, you you solidify the rotation by having Cueto there. He's been better than his stats say. I'm not saying he's been stellar or great, but he's been a, a great addition to the team, you know, clubhouse and on the field. 
um, and filling up that final rotation spot. But then he goes down um, with a sickness put on the 15-day IL. That leaves a spot open. You call up Ryan Weathers, who we also acquired at the deadline. Doesn't do too hot against his four between the Padres. He could send right back down to AAA. Now you have that open spot. You know, you could fill it back up with Ed- Edward Cabrera, who's kind of been a mixed bag down at AAA. Obviously, he's not allowing a lot of runs, but he's still allowing a lot of walks. So he's still working out those kinks. Um, but Eddie pitched uh, yesterday. And so the next available open spot in the rotation that would have been Cueto's is on Sunday. And I don't really know if that's enough time for him, if they want to give him more time to space it out and kind of adjust himself, or if they're all in, go for it, you know, put him up there. We'll see. Um, I, I, I obviously am a big Eddie fan, so I'm rooting for his change and his growth. Um, but next up, a, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I think Aiden makes a great point. At this point, you just need to live or die with your starters. I mean, they got you to this point. Uh, it sucks that they are over their, their innings limit, but they're trying to make the playoffs. Uh, and You got to live or die with what you have, so you got to just make that push. Yeah, you kind of just have to let them keep going and hope for the best. Um, it's that, that open fifth spot that's a little worrisome, so we'll kind of see how the Marlins uh, solve that issue coming Sunday. Um but moving forward, uh, we are now seven days away from September. I had to count on my hands. I don't know if you saw it. Kind of count on my hands to see how many days away we were. Um, and obviously on September comes everybody's favorite, or at least my favorite, September call-up time. I miss when it was like way more players. Now it's just two. But uh, So there's two open roster spots starting in September. Um, and so the Marlins have a couple of different options that they can go to to try to see if they can add anybody to the team to help, you know, send the team further throughout the playoff run, or if by some reason in the next seven days we are out of the race, which, you know, God forbid we're not, maybe they call out players and see what they have for the future. Uh, I'm going to start with my pick, um, and it's a guy who you guys know that I'm a big fan of. You guys have seen me talk about him a lot. Um, he was up earlier in the season and did pretty well until he hit a really, really cold stretch. Um, but I really want to see Dane Myers back up here. Um, you know, he. In his time up here, it was, it was short. He only he hit 288, but only had a 668 OPS with an 82 OPS plus. Had a really bad 1 to 16 walk to strikeout ratio, um, and a lot of those came from his last five games up here. He had uh, eight strikeouts alone in his last five games, um, so a lot of them came from there. Um, but you know, I, I I like how he plays. I like his speed. I like his defense. Um, his bat's good. Um, he has a hard hit rate of 54.5, whereas the league average is 39.7. His average exit velo is 92.7 miles per hour, whereas the league average is 88. So he hits the ball hard no matter what. Um, his, he, he's a confusing case to me because um, his BAPIP is 372, um, which is good and obviously not sustainable, but it's good. But I, 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 <laughs> I don't know if my memory is deceiving me. But every time I saw that man hit the ball, it seemed to be right at right at a fielder and get bad luck. So maybe it was way higher and came down to earth in the last couple of games, and that's what it was. But I don't know. I, I liked what Dane had. I liked what we saw from him. Um, I think at the time he did need to go down because he was ice cold. Um, but he's stayed hitting in AAA. So bring him back up, see what you get in him again. He's pretty good at defense out in center field. Uh, he can play both corner infield positions, first and third, if you need him to. 
Um, and that's part of all. He's on the 40-man roster, so you don't have to clear up a space for him. Um, but speaking of clearing up a space, um, Hoseon has somebody for uh, the call-ups, which would need to clear a space, and he has kind of a solution for that. Hoseon, go ahead. Yes, so my intriguing person um, in, out in AAA that I would love to get a look at in the majors is none other than Anthony Maldonado. Um, big right-hander reliever um, out, out there in Jacksonville. Super, super nasty, filthy stuff. Um, he was injured for a good portion of this year, but he, he recently came back. And, you know, he's he's doing his thing. Uh, in, 60, um, in 38 in the third inning, he has uh, 61 strikeouts, a 1.88 ERA, and a whip uh, of 0.86, you know, for a bullpen that is as taxed as the Marlins bullpen is, a right-hander that is filthy, lights out coming out of the pen. Uh, so as you wind down the season, might be what what this what this team needs, some somebody to help uh, David Robertson, Tanner Scott in the back end. Uh, obviously, he's not on the 40-man, so we would need to basically figure that out. There's a couple of options that they could go um, and, and a couple of routes they could do. Um, Josh Simpson hasn't pitched in the majors um, as much this year. Um, so DFAing him could be an option. Um, the other option, and I guess depending on who you ask, might be the better option, the more realistic option, is um, Aviseo Garcia. He just got injured. Um, and depending on what you, the Marlins do with him, uh, he could be the person to go to clear up a space um, for Anthony Maldonado to be called up. You can either transfer him to the 60-day IL, and he'll be done for the year, and that'll clear up a roster spot. Or, um, as a lot of fans have been clamoring, uh, you can go ahead and designate him for assignment and eat the $30 million that you have remaining uh, due to him the next couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see um, if they do decide to call up Anthony Maldonado to help the bullpen, what they would do to fill in the spot for him. Yeah, Maldonado is absolutely nasty. Um, he's somebody that I know a lot of people have been clamoring for on Twitter to be called up. Just a matter of opportunity. I think if he hadn't have gotten hurt, he would have been up here a lot sooner. Um, so that injury kind of slowed him down a little bit there. Um, remind me, Maldonado's a righty, correct? Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, which which the Marlins bullpen desperately needs, which is a very weird uh, – we, we've said it so many times, it's a weird situation to be with an abundance of lefties in the bullpen, but we can't complain. Um, I do want to note, notate that his uh, AAA stats are reminiscent to uh, Andrew Nardi's last year. Um, and obviously we know that Nardi struggled very heavily when he came up last year, but he's been a seller this year. So you have to hope that, you know, if Maldonado does get called up, he has a different – um, experience that Nardi had in his first time in the majors. Um, Nardi last year had 76 Ks and 51 innings in the minors, which is relatively close to what you had mentioned for uh, Maldonado. Um, yep. And then Aiden has a player who does not need a 40-man spot, just like my player. And Aiden is going to be kind of the voice of the people on Twitter right now who's been clamoring for this guy for the past two months. And I, I don't, I don't blame him, but you know, Aiden hit me with who you're, who you're looking at. Yeah. I was going to say like, 
I think I speak on behalf of every single Marlins fan where I say, call up, call up Xavier Edwards already. Like, what are we waiting for? Uh, what are we waiting for? Yeah. <laughs> He's a second baseman, switch hitter. His stats in the minor leagues is batting 354, has an on base percentage of 434, 899 OPS, 47 RBI, 31 stolen bases. Um, I mean, I could keep going on and on. And he did he he did see some time in the majors I think earlier this year, and he he had a three eighty one batting average in the majors. Um, so if that's saying anything, I mean, uh, I don't know, I don't know, because right now second base we have it was it like Joey Wendell right or John Birdie. Oh right, Arise. shortstop. You mean? Oh yeah, shortstop. Yeah 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 yeah. Um, and I see Xavier Edwards as a huge upgrade over those guys, but I guess I don't know. I guess the front office has a different plan. I don't know. I, I have no idea. I, I have no words, but I'm just saying, like, what are we waiting for? Like, I think I think he'd be a massive upgrade. He'd give us a big boost in the lineup. Um, but to go back to Jose's point of. DFAing Avi Garcia. It's like, what a shame. Like, was, is that the, I don't know, is that the worst free agent signing in recent recent memory? I would say, think? are you saying for, for Miami? Yeah. I would say it's a tie between him and Wei Yin Chen. Because um, mm-hmm. Wei Yin Chen was, <laughs> he was, he was yeah, something. Tough. But, <laughs> Definitely, Avisayil's up there. You know, sad to say, but Gene Segura's up there. But we got rid of that contract, which is a good thing. Um, yeah, so the whole Gene thing. I mean, it, it, he did underproduce while he was here, but Kim was able to get out of out of that. So it's hard to really hold on to that when he was only really here for like three months, four months. So yeah, honestly, I might say the Chen. I'm looking back on the way in Chen deal. I might say that's worse. It was a five year deal on eighty million dollars. That might be that might be the worst the the worst the, deal we've uh, had. Do you have the Garcia deal? Yeah, let me pull it up real quick. Four um, I think it's like four, what four eighty? Four fifty three is what it was. Yeah. Four fifty three. So I think in terms of production they're kind of equal, honestly. Mm-hmm. But you just sat down with for for lunch and was like, Yeah, this is the guy. <laughs> I, I don't know if you guys saw it earlier. Craig Mish did report that even though uh, Kim Ng was the GM on the time of the signing with uh, Avzail, she did not negotiate that contract or or details about yeah. it. So, so it was out there, Jeter. Yeah, Jeter was the big, big advocate for um, for Avzail. Um, honestly, I was an Avzail fan prior to his time in Miami, so I'm. I mean, I don't think anybody expected him to be this bad at all. Yeah, so I think at the time at the time of the signing, most of the fan base rejoiced. I mean, they wanted the bigger guys. I guess they wanted like Schwarber and Castellanos. I do recall that, but mm-hmm. no, I don't. I don't really recall anybody being mad that we signed Avisayo. And then, who could have fore- foreseen him being this bad? I mean, it's, it's an incredible fall off, honestly. Yeah, he was yeah. playing really well with Milwaukee. I think um, wasn't he an All Star or maybe? A couple years. Yeah, ago. He, I think he's I'm a two-time sure. All-Star with uh, maybe with the Rays. Milwaukee. 
me pull. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's this is not what we signed up for um, at all. Yeah. You know, Mish <laughs> um, you know, has mentioned it before, but it's really hard to – you're Bruce Sherman. Right? I'm not making an excuse uh, in terms of spending money. Uh, that is obviously needs to happen. But you're Bruce Sherman. You commit $53 million uh, to basically a, a negative asset. It's, it's just – hard to be sold to continue to spend money which he definitely should um especially a, a team that is knocking on the door of being a true contender if some correct moves are made so but but it's just tough when you look at it like a small market team signs a free agent and that free agent is just terrible it's just bad luck honestly yeah um now after our small rant there about obviously you own terrible contracts um, our final thing of the day is we kind of want to look over the rest of the season outlook for the Marlins. Um, it's really, really a mixed bag. Um, as I said, there's a lot of competitive teams, a lot of non-competitive teams in there. Um, we have a three game series right now with, with the nationals coming up, which Aiden will be in, in person covering those games. Uh, then we have the Rays games, uh, a two game series in the middle of the week. And then we play in DC against Washington for a four game series. So that's a good little stretch where you, you can come out, you know, probably let's say at worst, you win one game against the Rays, win five games against the Nationals. You know, that's what, uh, seven and three, if I did my math right. I probably didn't, but. it's We'll be playing nine games. So I hold six and three. At worst, at worst, we would have to go six and three. Ideally, mm-hmm. you want to. Seven and two, eight and one in this in these next couple of like this next stretch. Yeah. After that, you hit the Dodgers, which is going to be a rough test as we just saw, but this time it's at home. Um, then after that, you go Philly, Milwaukee for a four game set, Atlanta, New York for a three game set, Milwaukee for a three game, New York or Mets. Let me specify Mets for New York, um, and then end it with Pittsburgh. Um, yeah, and I I. Think- I, I, I Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a test. Like every game is gonna be like stressful. Like this mm-hmm. this next month is crazy. Yeah. Um. What worries me? The series that worries me the most is gonna be the Mets series. Um. Because no matter how good, no matter how bad the Mets are, Miami always has a struggle against them. It, it's it's just a rivalry thing. We can't shake that. I don't know why, but. That those six games against the Mets are really going to be a uh, test for Miami, not against uh, um, really to see if they can push it, you know, full gear into the playoffs. Um, I knew that this is one of the easier quote unquote schedules for the rest of the season. Um, but I'm going to repeat what I have said many, many times. And this isn't me kind of trying to soften the blow or anything like that for Marlins fans. If the Marlins don't make the playoffs, it's going to suck a lot, especially with all the acquisitions that we made, all the moves that we made. But if the Marlins still end up over 500, compare it back to where we were in our expectations at the beginning of the season. It's a win of a season. It's a growing season. I'll take it. It's not my ideal situation by any means, and so let's get that out. Marlins need to make the playoffs. But it's not a lost season if we don't make it and we're still above 500. That's just kind of where I'm at. 
do you guys have any thoughts you want to add to the uh, outlook? What your expectations are? Yeah, so I saw a tweet earlier today. Um, I don't recall who it was from. It might have been Codified Baseball, um, at Codified Baseball on Twitter. If you guys don't follow them, they're a great follow. Um, I saw a tweet that said, for the Marlins to match the same exact record they had last season, they would need to finish the next 34 games 4 and 34, or 4 and 30 or something like that. Yeah, I saw that earlier. Yeah, um, yeah. so the fact that if we go, I expect the Marlins to at least triple the four wins, right, to finish like 12 and like minimum, right? The fact that at this point in the season with the month left, the Marlins only need to win four more games to beat last season's record is truly remarkable. You don't see many turnarounds season to season like that. You know, ideally the Marlins finished the season 10 to 12 wins better than last year. Does that get you into the playoffs? No, probably. You probably need to finish with more wins than, than that. But the fact that that growth happened, you know, it, it's a big, it's a right step. It's a good step um, in the right direction. And that is something that could definitely be built upon. So, although we all want to make the playoffs, nobody expected the team to make the playoffs. All we wanted was competitive baseball in August. We got that, you know. Now we're in September, about to be in September, and we're still very much in the race. So, I think, you know, you can't get blinded by the fact that you want to make the playoffs. And honestly, I don't believe the front office got blinded by the fact that they wanted to make the playoffs. I think they made very safe moves that have paid off a lot. But even even the front office knows that this is a multi-year project. It's not just all or nothing this year. Um, so to finish my point, they're going to win more than four games. I can almost guarantee that for the rest of the season. That means that we had a better season than last year. That is a step in the right direction. Um, and, you know, we'll see what comes. Hopefully playoffs, right? So I think I think as Marlins fans, when you look at the whole overview of the season, you have to at least be proud of what we saw. So, Yeah. Aiden, what's kind of your uh, take on the rest of the season? Yeah, I'm just going to go back to, like, the schedule. I, I'm just going to say I don't think the Marlins could afford to lose to teams that are below 500 at this point. I I hate to say it, but I, I, I really think this is probably the season right here this weekend against the Nationals. Um, I think, yeah, I'd love to win the series, but I still don't think that'd be enough. Um, I think the Nationals are a must-sweep, and then – I don't know if we if we get a little bit of a win streak going. I know the Nationals have been playing great though, um, so I'm not I'm not trying to bash on the Nationals and saying like they're an easy I mean easy team to beat. But if we could get a little bit of a win streak going, guys will get their confidence back up. The clubhouse will be kind of vibing again, like in the first half. Maybe I don't know. We'll see pitchers do better. We'll see hitters be more consistent at the plate. Um, get a win streak going, and then, I don't know, maybe you could eventually beat those good teams, those playoff teams. Um, so, if let's see. 
Say we sweep the Nationals this weekend, the Rays are next. Even if we split that Rays series, I think that's a big a big win. Because um, then, what, we play the Nationals again after that? And then, I don't know, next thing you know, we're back in it. We're back in the wild card. So you, ne- you never know. Baseball, also, it's so unpredictable. It's a long season for a reason. And I don't know, it's still, I'm still keeping my head up. Yeah, there's still 30-some-odd games left, so there's still a lot of time for a lot of baseball to happen. Marlins can go on a hot streak. They can go on an ice-cold streak. Baseball's a temperamental sport, so who's to say what happens? Um, I think that the vibes of the Marlins will be a lot more positive or should be a lot more positive after the next three series, after we face the Nationals twice. Um, we'll see if that happens. Um we just got to find find the groove, find the vibe that we had in the first half. It shouldn't be an impossible task, but we'll see if the Marlins can can find it and, and, and make it happen. But as I glass, said, go ahead. Glass go ahead. half full. Glass half full. You look at other team schedules that we're also in the hunt with, we have a more favorable schedule than them. You look at the Phillies, the Phillies play. They have to play the, the Mets. I mean, sorry, they have to play the – uh, Braves seven more times. They play the Padres, who are also very hungry, uh, three more times. They, you know, they they play us three times. So, glass half full. There's other, there's other teams that have it harder in terms of strength and schedule that we are chasing. So, Warners need to take care of their business, and they should be in good shape. One more point. Yeah. I just want to make real quick. Um, I think Arias needs to be the Arias from the first half if this team wants to win consistently. I don't know where he's gone, but he's got to – I don't know. Because he's not doing anything – I don't think he's doing anything different at the plate because I've been watching the games recently, and he's, he's still hitting the ball. He's not striking out a ton, but when he's hitting the balls, it's just going straight at the, uh, at the guys um, in the infield. So I'm not sure. Maybe it's just bad luck. I don't know. Yeah. Um, real quick, final point. Again, um, I had mentioned before the deadline that our offense had depended a lot on a rise in his success. Um, and I think that still rings true, but I, I do commend the front office for adding pieces who, as we said, Bell and Berger have been absolutely phenomenal additions to the team. So they've done all that they can to kind of make the team not have to revolve and depend on a rise the entire time. So um, hopefully we get the old rise back, hopefully. But uh, as I said earlier in the pod, uh, Aiden is going to be on the coverage for the uh, National Series upcoming. I'll be in Miami for the Rays and Marlins Series. And we got a lot of fun stuff coming up for you guys. So uh, stay tuned, keep updated, follow us all on Twitter. But that's all we got. Until next time, guys.